This is the podcast from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, July 3rd, 2011. Behind the music, Amazing Grace. So that's a scene from the movie uh, Amazing Grace. The movie focuses on a man named uh, William Wilberforce and his many-year battle to end the British slave trade. He's the younger man in the clip there. The, the other guy, the blind guy, is a guy named John Newton. Now, John Newton is the writer of the song, the hymn, Amazing Grace. That's our focus this morning as we begin a a five-week series in which we look at some of the songs we sing here at Connection, and we look closer at the story behind the song as we look behind the music. Well, good morning, Connection Church. We hope you have a great weekend this weekend, an extended weekend as we do celebrate our freedom and that we can be a light to those around us. My name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Well, God, we thank you for bringing us here today, for the freedom that we have, for those who have fought over so many years to give us that freedom, but also, and most of all, for your son, Jesus who gives us true freedom. Help us today uh, celebrate you and what you've done for us as we go a little bit deeper into amazing grace. We pray this in your name. Amen. Would you sing it with me? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now One of the all-time most well-known Christian songs. Amen? Amen. It was written way back in the 1700s. Writer, as we said, was a guy named John Newton. And what made him such a wretch? Well, for one thing, for two years he was first made on a slave ship, and then during the next four years he captained three slave ship voyages. He was forced to give up his active slave trading activities after suffering a a fairly severe stroke at, I think it was the age of like 29, but continued to invest his own savings in slaving operations. In fact, even though he had come to Christ back in like 1748, he didn't renounce the slave trade until some 40 years later. It's kind of ironic that John Newton spent any time at all in the slave trade because back when he was 17 years old, he was shanghaied, he was captured, He was pressed into service by the Royal Navy. That was against his will. In effect, he became enslaved himself. Now, later he became a servant of a slave trader, and the history tells us that John Newton was brutally abused himself. And in spite of that, he participated, he engaged He invested in the slave trade for a time. 
And after his days on the water, because he was such a young man when he had that stroke, he became a priest. Even though he was at first rejected by a bishop and different churches, he, 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 he ultimately entered the priesthood in the Church of England and came to be well-known for his pastoral care as well as his preaching. The story has it that his church became so, uh, so crowded during the services while he preached that the, uh, the place had to be enlarged. Uh, he became very popular in the Christian community there, was visited by many who talked to him about their faith and who sought their, his advice. One of these people was a young member of his congregation, also a member of parliament, by the name of William Wilberforce, who sought direction and support in his fight, his fight against the slave trade. That was the scene that was depicted there that we saw just a few minutes ago, where Wilberforce is seeking some help from John Newton. The year was 1788, and that was 34 years after he retired, John Newton retired from the slave trade. And that's when (laughs) Newton broke his long silence, his long silence on the subject of slave trade with the publication that, that he penned, and it was called, it was a pamphlet, and it was called Thoughts Upon the Slave Trade. And it was in this pamphlet in which he described the horrific conditions on the boat, the horrific conditions that that the slave slave ships, that were on the slave ships, and he apologized. He confessed that in his participation, he will always be, it will always be a humiliating reflection on me, he says, that I was once an active instrument in a business at which my heart now shudders. Mm. Reading an article on the internet by a guy named Al Rogers, he shared that Newton continued to preach until the last year of his life, even though he was totally blind by that time. It's kind of ironic that he spoke of being blind in that song, Amazing Grace, years before it actually happened to him in real life. He lived just long enough to see the passage of the Slave Trade Act of 1807, thanks to the efforts of his friends, uh, of his friend and ally, William Wilberforce, who again led that parliamentary campaign to abolish the slave trade there in England. Now we fast forward to just a couple of years ago, several years ago, when a Christian contemporary songwriter named Chris Tomlin took this familiar song and gave it a new twist. Chris added to the song when he wrote, My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. Say the rest with me. And like Like a a flood, his mercy mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. Hmm. That's a great story, isn't it? Great story. So what's it got to do with us other than a history lesson? Well, I think it's got everything to do with us. Because like Newton, each and every one of us is a wretch. We're wretched in our own way. That's not a word we... How many have used the word wretched this week? (laughs) It's not a real common word, but it's a very good and telling word for what we're talking about this morning. Because each of us in our own way is, is absolutely wretched. Even though we may not be involved in the slave trade, it doesn't mean that we're not involved with something 
that is hurtful to God and hurtful to those around us. Each of us, in our own way, is absolutely wretched. It's what Paul's talking about in Romans, third chapter, verse 23, when he says this. He says, for all have sinned. Say say it with me. For all All have sinned sinned and and fall fall short short of the glory glory of God. All, all, every single one of us, all have fallen short. So in that passage, Paul is comparing the Jews with the Gentiles. The Gentiles was everybody that wasn't a Jew. Now, he could have been very likely comparing in this modern day, like Christians and those who aren't Christians, everybody else. The point is here that we have all sinned. That's what Paul was trying to say. We've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. Me, us, you, all of us. And so we're all in this together. We're all sinners And in the words of John Newton, a wretch. It kind of has a sting to it when I say it. I'm a wretch. Ooh. Each one of us is blind. Blinded by one thing or another that allows us to um, be separated from God, to turn away from God. Instead of going, uh, pointing upward, we begin to look inward. And we begin to lead a very self-serving and selfish life given into our own desires. And so we are enslaved by, by sin. We are enslaved. And, and the harder we try to escape this enslavement, the more we realize that we are unable to do that on our own or by ourselves. It's absolutely impossible. It's like what Paul shares in the seventh chapter of Romans. He says this, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. That's a lot of do's and don'ts and do-do and don't. I mean, every time I read that scripture, I'm like, wow. Here's the bottom line. I don't do what I should do. Can you say that? I don't do what I should do. I do do what I shouldn't do. Let's say that. I do do what I shouldn't do. That's it. That's it. And why is that? Why don't we do what we should do and we do do what we shouldn't do? It's because we're sinners. It's because I'm a slave to sin. That's what Paul continues to write about in the seventh chapter of Romans. Here's what he says. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Have you ever felt that? We try to do good, but evil is right there with me. For my inner being, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Is that making sense? 
And he goes on to say, what a wretched man I am. Mm. Sounds like John Newton maybe had read Paul, doesn't it? What a wretched man I am. Why? Because I'm a sinner, a prisoner of the law of sin that is at work in me. I am imprisoned. I am enslaved. I am bound. I am in chains, the chains of sin. And as Paul shares in Romans 6.23, say it with me, the wages of sin is death. Let's say that again. The wages of sin is death. And so in the words of John Newton and in the words of the Apostle Paul, we're wretches, we're blind, we're lost, we're prisoners, we're dead to sin. So how's everybody feeling right now? Wow. Is that the end of the message? No, because there's more. There's more, and we're getting to the good part. Like Newton... When he was, he was shanghaied on that ship at 17, and he was forced to do what he was told. And there are times when we get caught up in things, and we think we have to do things, but we really don't. And like those people that he carried later onto that ship, those people who were enslaved, nowhere to turn, sometimes we feel like we're enslaved and nowhere to turn, nowhere to hide. We, too, are enslaved. We're prisoners We're held captive by the chains of our own sin. We can't escape, break free on our own. So the question is that Paul raises in Romans chapter 7, Paul says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And so the answer is right there because Paul gives it to us. And I'm excited to tell you, thank God. The answer is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, with that statement, we ought to, like, say, whoa, that is such good news. Can everybody just go, yay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because that is the good news that Jesus brings to each one of our lives. And so Jesus does for us what we cannot do for ourselves, what we can't do. Back... Back in the time of of Newton and throughout the horrible time of slave trade, some slaves were able to purchase their freedom. Not often, but occasionally a slave was able to, to buy his or her way out of slavery. But our enslavement is so great that it is absolutely impossible for us to ever be able to purchase our own freedom. It's because our sin is too great the cost is too high, and our resources are too low. (laughs) On our own, that's the key here, on our own, by ourselves, we can never cover the debt of our sin. It's impossible. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. We couldn't cover it, but Jesus could, and Jesus did. Amen? Amen. With his very life, with the blood that he shed on the cross, he purchased our freedom, your freedom, my freedom, our freedom, freedom from sin and death. His death on the cross saved a wretch like me. I was lost, but thanks to Jesus, now I'm found. I was blind, but 
thanks to Jesus, now I see. I was in chains, but thanks to Jesus, now my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. He's ransomed me. He's ransomed you. We have been, say it with me, ransomed. Yeah. Okay, so to be ransomed means that someone or something is released from being held captive because the demanded price has been paid. Jesus paid that price for you and for me by shedding his blood on the cross so that we might be free, so that we might be re- released. It's like there's this, there's this debt. You know, we get a bill and before, you know, say we get this bill and it's like millions of dollars. Now, I can't pay that. Maybe if somebody here can, could you like pay for the land up on 301? But anyway, it's like before we, like we look at it and then there's, boom, paid, paid. That ransom has been paid. We're free. We're free from the debt. (coughs) Not free to return to our sinfulness. Not free to return to our sinful nature, although that's our tendency. But free to receive all that God has in store for us, which is this huge mega love that's so big that, you know, it just bowls us over. Love that we can't earn or bargain for, but it's just there to receive. And it's, it's the gift so that you and I can walk out of here today and really try to be focused and centered on Christ and allow Christ to lead us and order our steps because he'll never lead us wrong. Free to be all that God intended us to be when God first thought of us. That is, I mean, do you feel? That is so cool. Freedom. Free to love the Lord with everything we've got and love our neighbor as ourselves. We're reminded of the words of, uh, uh, from Isaiah 61 that, that Jesus shared as he, he read in the synagogue one day. And this is, these are the words of Isaiah 61 that he shared. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so we are the poor. We are the prisoners. We are the blind. We are the oppressed. You know, we're, we're blind to our helplessness, blind to what God has to offer us. You know, we're oppressed by Satan, the evil one, who just wants to come and kill, steal, and destroy the very life, lives that uh, Christ has set out for us. And it's Jesus, and Jesus alone, who's been anointed to come and proclaim the good news to release us, to free us, to give us recovery of our sight and freedom from our chains. It is Jesus, and Jesus alone, the only one who can do this. It's Jesus and Jesus alone who embodies this amazing grace, who is the amazing grace that comes into our lives. Mm. 
There's a book that came out a few years ago by a guy named Philip Yancey. It's entitled, What's So Amazing About Grace? And, and I've always kind of been, I've never read the book. I'd like to, but I haven't gotten to that one. But I've always been fascinated by that title. What's so amazing about grace? What is so amazing about grace? Well, I was thinking about that for today. We find it pretty amazing that, that God would care so much about us, each and every one of us, you and me, us, that he would send his one and only son to die on a cross so that we might no longer be prisoners to sin. We, we find that pretty amazing. We find it pretty amazing that through the saving grace of Jesus Christ, our sins are not only forgiven, but forgotten. That in Christ, we would be made new. The old is gone. The new has come. We find that pretty amazing. We, we find it pretty amazing that no matter what we do or what we've done, no matter how far we've gone from God, no matter how horrible we've been, we can never be beyond the saving grace of God through Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen there? That's pretty amazing, don't you think? We find it pretty amazing that God partners with us to share the good news, to be Jesus with skin on, to be light in a dark world. He's the light that shines through us, that we have a responsibility but a privilege in our humility to be Jesus with skin on to those who we meet. We find that pretty amazing. Mm. I'd like the band to come up at this time while we share this, this last part of the message here this morning. You know, this weekend, and especially tomorrow, we're, we're celebrating, right? Fourth of July, Declaration of Independence. We're celebrating the freedoms that we enjoy here in the United States. Amen? Amen. Amen. And, you know, um, <laughs> Steve, we've been to India where we, we know that it's a whole different story, don't we? And we've got friends there who every day of their life, uh, they, they risk those very, very lives to do what we take for granted here this morning. And so we, we celebrate and I hope we don't take for granted the freedom that we get to enjoy, freedom of speech, freedom of movement, but most especially the freedom to be able to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ without fear of reprisal. We, 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 we celebrate that, and we, it's important to take the time that we do this weekend to, to, to celebrate and, and to focus there. Um, we, we love that freedom, don't we? And, and we, we love the symbol of that freedom, the flag. In fact, uh, well, our welcome slide this morning, I think, has a kind of a flag, uh, I won't say super under, uh, subimposed on, on the image this morning, because that, it's a very powerful there symbol, it is. isn't it? Yeah. It's a, it's a very powerful symbol of, of these freedoms that we, that we cherish and, and sometimes take for granted because they're just so much a part of our lives. But, but, but here's the thing that we need to say this morning, we need to never forget. When we speak of freedom, true freedom, eternal freedom, freedom from sin and death, 
When we talk about that kind of freedom, our focus is not on a flag, but it's on the cross. It's on the cross. Our true, lasting, eternal freedom comes only, only from Christ's death on that cross. And it's thanks to the cross that our chains have been broken and we have truly been set free. Amen? Amen. When you came in today, many of you received this this piece of chain, this link. We want to make sure everybody has one. So if you don't have one, would you just put your hand up and Brenton and Joy will make sure that you have one. We wanted to give you this as a reminder that your chains have been broken. This was part of a a greater link and that it was busted, busted up. There's a place here now. It's broken. You have been set free when you've asked Jesus Christ into your life to be Lord and Savior. And so today, that's what we want to give you, this reminder that you might put in your pocket or put in your purse or put on your bureau or tape it to the bathroom mirror or whatever as a reminder that your life has already been purchased, ransomed, and you're set free. And that's what amazing grace is all about. Kind of starts, though, with asking Jesus to be the leader of your life. So if you haven't done that during this song, you just might want to have a chat with God and say, Lord, you know, I haven't allowed you to lead me and I haven't really brought you into my heart, so today's the day. I'm wretched. I confess to you those things that where I've just done wrong. I do do the things that I don't want to do. It's that one. And I don't do the things I want to do. That's our wretchedness. And say, Lord, just come into my life. Yeah, you can do that right from your seat. You can do it up on the steps. You can do it back in the prayer corner. Amy is back there and can pray you through that prayer. Don't miss the opportunity, though, today to allow Christ in. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.